You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome to Wondergoal, a new soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Leboff, and every Monday and Thursday, I'll be joined by my action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, the three of us will handicap games across Champions League, Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and Liga. I know you're all excited to get to some soccer bets, but I have some business I need to attend to. Many of you are listening to this on the Action Network podcast feed. If that's you and you hate the very idea of betting on non-American football, we get it. You think we're commies. It's okay. However, if you've been waiting for us to release a show like this for a long time, please, for the love of God, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and subscribe to the Wonder Goal podcast feed right away, like right this instant. This way, you won't miss future episodes. BJ, myself, and Anthony can keep our jobs. And since our boss, longtime media fat cat, Chad Millman will try to cancel this show as soon as he finds out about it. We need your help desperately. So here's what we're going to do. If you leave us a nice review on the Wonder Goal podcast feed, make sure to drop your Twitter handle. You will automatically be entered into a contest to win the soccer jersey of your choice from this season. Additionally, if you tweet at Chad Millman and tell him not to cancel Wonder Goal, you will also be automatically entered into a separate contest to win a soccer jersey of your choice. That's right. You have the possibility to win two soccer jerseys if you win both contests. Okay, gentlemen, let's get to the Champions League. Let's start with the headliner for Tuesday that features Liverpool and Atletico Madrid in Spain. Liverpool are uh, road favorites, plus 125. Atletico, plus 225. The draw at plus 230. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff in Group B. BJ, how do you see it? It's a massive clash between two really different styles of play. I mean, Atletico Madrid is obviously going to play out of a very defensive style formation, while Liverpool is going to play high tempo, high press, heavy metal style of football. You know, Atletico Madrid has been good in La Liga this season, 17 points from their first eight matches with a plus 4.64 non-penalty expected goal differential. But they haven't faced a team like Liverpool that's going to press them high up the pitch. And I'm interested to see how they handle it, because if we go back to last Champions League campaign, Atletico Madrid was in the same group as Bayern Munich, who also played a very similar style under Hans Flick that Jurgen Klopp plays at Liverpool. And Atletico Madrid had absolutely no answers for it in the first meeting, getting beat 4 nothing, And in the second meeting, Bayern Munich had already clinched the group, so they didn't really care about the match, and they drew 1-1. I do have Atletico Madrid projected as a small favorite in this one, but I'm not walking in front of Liverpool's offense right now, which may be the best in the world. 
Uh, they lead the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals per match, big scoring chances, shots per 90. But Liverpool's defense is kind of due to concede some goals. You know, they've allowed 10.1 expected goals through their first eight matches, but have only conceded eight actual goals. Uh, and Liverpool did just face, you know, Porto in their last Champions League match, who also plays out of a 4-4-2 formation, and they just obliterated them 5-1. So um, I, I do like the over in this match. Atletico Madrid obviously improved in the transfer market, bringing in Antoine Griezmann back to the club, adding him along with Jaio Felix and Luis Suarez. So I think this one's going to be a little more high scoring than uh, expected. Um, so I like over two and, a, two and a half goals at plus 105. Actually, I think we're going to take a shot on Atleti here. This team is set up to just turn games into coin flips. And I know Liverpool are that front three, the way that offense is clicking is, is dynamic, but they still, they're feasting on some really poor defenses in the premier league. So like you said, Atletico hasn't really faced a team like Liverpool. You can also, I think, turn the argument around. It's like Liverpool hasn't faced a defense like Atletico or when they did, you look at man city, they, they did struggle uh, or they did draw and the same thing with Chelsea, they drew against them. So I think, there is a little bit of value on Atletico as a home underdog. This is a game that the winner goes top of the group. So I think Liverpool might be actually a little more conservative. They also played this weekend. Atletico did not. So I'm going to take a shot. The number is pretty good. Plus 225 on Atletico. So that's where I'm going. Anthony. Yeah, this is a pass for me. I really, really, really want to get behind Atletico. I think that this is an interesting matchup. Like you mentioned, Michael, Liverpool has beaten up on a lot of really bad teams, but you also have to look at, their body of work that dates back to about the last six games of last season and now into the first eight Premier League games of the season, plus the two Champions League games. They had a little blip against Milan where they conceded two goals in about five minutes, but Virgil van Dijk didn't play in that match. The only concern here for me with Liverpool is it's a look-ahead spot. They've got Manchester United coming up next week. They also know that this is one of two games in a row they're going to play in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. This is the away fixture with them having the lead. It's a world where Liverpool would probably be pretty satisfied to take the point, knowing that they're going to be coming home and have them at home in that spot. It's also a revenge spot from 2019. The teams actually aren't all that different. I don't know if that's concerning or not for both teams long-term, but the, the teams that Liverpool and Atleti put out in 2019, uh, 2020, just before the pandemic, aren't that different from the ones that are going to show up uh, on Tuesday night. So I'm really interested for this one. I'm going to pass ultimately, but I think that if I were to take a side, it'd probably be Atleti just because Liverpool, we, we wonder if there's going to be some squad rotation. Yeah, that uh, that last time that these two teams met in the Champions League will certainly go down uh, in history, not just in uh, soccer, but kind of sporting and European history. Then uh, the other game in Group B is another Tuesday at 3 p.m. kickoff. Porto, AC Milan. These teams are basically a, it's like a it's a pick'em basically between the two of them. Porto plus 170 underdogs at home right now at BetMGM, and AC Milan plus 155. The draw at plus 240. Bookmakers having a tough time picking these teams apart. Anthony, are you? I'm not actually. There's a bit of an injury issue crisis going on here for AC Milan that are starting to pile up. They did have an excellent comeback 3-2 win against Verona at the weekend that included a penalty and an own goal. Uh, a little bit lucky there. They lost the expected goals battle marginally. And given the fact they were down most of the match, pretty concerning that they didn't really create a ton of clear chances in that one. Milan's been really impressive in Serie A. You know, they've won Almost every single match they've played, they have the second best expected goal difference in the league behind Napoli. It's been an impressive start for Milan, but they've looked a lot shakier in the Champions League. And they were playing, outplaying Atletico Madrid in that first, uh, in that last match, but they looked a little bit out of their depth against uh, Liverpool and they, they struggled to cope uh, once they went down a man and really gave that game away. 
So this is a desperation spot for both teams. Both teams need to win. The most interesting thing here for Milan is the injury situation. Mike Mannion, the goalie for Milan, is out. He had a long injury. Teo Hernandez and Brahim Diaz tested positive for COVID. They may not play. Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming back from injury did feature a little bit over the weekend, but not expected to start, make him off the bench. And we look at Porto's terrible loss to Liverpool. It's not the first time Porto's had trouble with Liverpool in Europe. Liverpool have kind of had their number over the, over the recent years pretty much blowing them out every single time. Don't know what it is about that matchup, but it's not been good for Porto. There are multiple goalie errors that led to goals. It was a lot of uh, fluke uh, goals that, that kind of came about for Liverpool. They weren't quite as bad. Porto wasn't uh, as the numbers suggest. They also get Pepe back in the middle of their defense. Chancel and Bemba may not play. He's questionable, uh, but the Porto improved defense. They'll be able to sit deep and absorb pressure, hit Milan on the counter. And I really don't think uh, Milan is, is built to go get uh, a result here away from home. So I like Porto. I think they're a little undervalued, and I think they were unlucky to uh, not take any points from their first group match. So give me Porto on the draw no bet line, minus 115. Yeah, I'm actually going to bet Milan here. I, I'm just hoping the, the AC Milan that we've seen in uh, Serie A shows up in Champions League. Simple as that. Sometimes you don't really need to get too deep into it. As Anthony said, the numbers in Serie A are basically a bang on for a team that could be or should be and is contending for the title. Hoping that team does show up uh, in Portugal for this one. BJ, are you with me or are you with Anthony? I'm with Anthony. I, I like the draw no bad line here as well. I mean, Porto, obviously a very defensive team playing out of the 4-4-2. They've been really good this season domestically. Uh, they've only allowed 5.4 uh, expected goals total this year. And their first match against Atletico Madrid, they only allowed them to create 0.42 expected goals and really should have won that first match. So one thing about AC Milan, going back to last season, uh, Anthony mentioned the, the penalty in the own goal. Well, last season, they had the most penalties in anybody of Europe. They had 20 penalties awarded, which was by far and away the most uh, in, across the entire continent. And this season, they've already gotten three penalties as well in eight matches. So a lot of luck for them offensively. But yeah, I do think that given the injury issues with AC Milan and the fact that Porto is so stout defensively, I think there is some value on them at... Uh, on the draw no bet line of minus 115. All right, let's move on to Group A. PSG is currently at the top of this one with four points. Club Bruges out of Belgium. They're tied with them on points with four. Then Man City at three. RB Leipzig at the foot of the table, zero points. They are in a must-win game, basically, against PSG, who are minus 275 favorites. Leipzig comes back plus 650. The draw plus 425. This is another 3 p.m. kickoff. Leipzig, coached by American Jesse Marsh, have been struggling in the Bundesliga. They just don't look like the RB Leipzig we've watched the past three or four years. BJ, I really, 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 really want to bet Leipzig on the money line. Please tell me to do it. Do it. I think I'm going to be fading PSG almost like every single Champions League match throughout their campaign. I mean, obviously they have Messi, Neymar, and, and Kylian Mbappe, best front three in the world. But their last match against Manchester City was kind of a microcosm of what happens when PSG has to play talented attacking teams. I mean, they just got pinned in for that entire match and basically just sent Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi out on the counter and just hope that they were able to create something uh, in Manchester City's end on a counterattack. They don't really face those set talented attacking teams in Ligue 1. France is the fifth most difficult league in Europe based on UEFA coefficients, and the gap between them and Germany is pretty big when you look at the rankings points for the UEFA coefficients. But the biggest problem is that Messi, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, they're not going to defend. Like They're just going to sit up there, and it's basically going to put more pressure on PSG's defense. 
and basically have Dunarama stand on his head every single match, which I don't think is a really winning type recipe. And you're basically just relying on your front three to create everything. And yeah, they're great, but sometimes that just doesn't work. And RB Leipzig, you know, they have struggled to begin the season, but they played PSG twice in the Champions League last year, and they outcreated them 3.69 expected goals to 2.6. You know, things have changed for RB Leipzig. They new manager, Jesse Marsh. Things haven't been going well. They're breaking in two new center backs. They're allowing 1.44 non-penalty expected goals per match when last season it was around 0.8. So a pretty big gap between last year and this year. But the attack is still there. You know, they're averaging 1.76 expected goals per match in the Bundesliga. They just put three goals on Manchester City in their first Champions League match, who has pretty much one of the best defenses in the world. So I only have PSG projected at plus 130. So... I'm going to take RB Leipzig plus one and a half at minus 135, and they're probably going to lose 4-1, but oh well. Yeah, I'm, I can't look away from this money line, six and a half to one. Uh, I'm going to take it. This, Like you said, I think Leipzig's going to score. Will they be able to get the two or three needed probably to win this game? That's what it's coming down to. This game, of course, is in Paris too, so tough to go on the road. Uh, this is a bet that just fills me with dread, but six and a half to one on a really good team or a team that used to be really good. Not that long ago, uh, kind of brings up the question of where would this game be priced? If it was maybe the opener for this group? Uh, I don't know. It definitely wouldn't be uh, plus six fifty next to Leipzig. Anthony, uh, are you making a three for three on the Red Bulls? Yeah, I am. We can go back to last year and what was the line when they, when these two teams played in Paris, uh, PSG was minus one sixty seven. That was the close. They're now almost a dollar more expensive. Uh, that's absurd. And look, I know PSG added this guy named Leo Messi and he's very good and he makes their attack much better. But like BJ mentioned, they're defending 10 on seven. Uh, They look extremely vulnerable in transition when they played Bruges. Bruges outplayed them for large stretches of that match, was probably lucky not to lose, PSG was. They really struggled uh, in the Champions League last year against the similar kind of Leipzig uh, direct counterattacking style that they're going to play in this matchup. Look, Leipzig has had their serious issues in defensive transition themselves. That makes this game pretty concerning to get behind them. But the numbers in their Bundes- in the Bundesliga aren't quite matching up for me. Their expected goals numbers are middle of the pack. They're they're ninth in or tenth uh, in uh, expected goals allowed. But when you look at all the other metrics we look at for defending, they're pretty much better. I mean, they're not allowing a lot of crosses. They're top four in cross allowed. They're top four in box entries. There's a Leipzig team that's creating or conceding a lot of high quality chances, which is a major concern, but they're also not conceding the things that lead to high quality chances. And, and what I think long-term we're going to see is that Leipzig is going to improve defensively as they get more used to the Marsh, Marsh style. When we look at this PSG team though, just serious red flags all over the park. I was, I was behind them all year last year um, when they were playing bigger teams who were, they were able to counter against because of how effective they can be in transition. But Leipzig is going to be a little bit different here playing at home. Leipzig is going to make them have the ball and they're going to look to hit in transition. I have major questions about this PSG midfield. Uh, I mean, a lot of times against city, it was just Adrisa Ganagay defending for himself on the edge of the penalty area, making moves left and right. And then, Marquinhos putting in a last ditch effort to stop city from getting shots off. There's just major concerns defensively. I cannot back PSG with their defense. So I like Leipzig plus one and a half goals as well. I'll join it and I'll, I'll sprinkle some money lines. So I'll take a little bit of both your picks and uh, we'll ride on Leipzig who I think are going to start to turn the corner here. Eventually. A pain party coming your way at 3 PM on Tuesday. The first kickoff uh, in that group is man city minus three fifty, taking on, Club Bruges plus 850, uh, the draw plus 475. This is a 1245 p.m. kickoff. Uh, so it's a game 
that probably people will want action on. Uh, I don't see too much value in the money lines anyway, the over-under anyway. The one thing I may get behind here is uh, City's defense to hold up and uh, the Citizens to win to nil at plus 110. I think people have this common misconception, and maybe it's not so common anymore, that City is this offensive powerhouse, but it's their defense that leads the league, that leads the Premier League and expected goals against by quite a margin. Pep has figured it out uh, on defense. That used to be the biggest knock on him. Not so much anymore. So, you know, is it a 50-50 chance that Man City wins to nil? I think maybe a little bit above that. So plus 110, not a bad number if you want action, because otherwise I don't really see too much uh, going on in this game. What about you, BJ? Yeah, it's a no play for me. On my projections, I think I have Manchester City at minus uh, 342 and the total at 2.98. You know, Bruges was really good in their first two matches. They won the, you know, they've obviously beat Leipzig uh, in Germany and won the expected goals battle. And like Anthony mentioned, that match against PSG was really close. Bruges was 1.46 expected goals to PSG's 1.51. So they're much improved. I mean, this is they've been a Champions League mainstay for a long time. They're experienced. Uh, Simon Mignolet is their goalkeeper, form, uh, formerly of Liverpool. They do have some young, fun, attacking talent that maybe can give Manchester City some problems. But what's going to happen to most teams when they play Manchester City is they're just going to get pinned in because they can't afford uh, to play open with Pep Guardiola's side. So um, I think the line is correct. I think the over-under is correct. So it's just a pass for me. It's a, it's funny that this is kind of a, a must-win game for City uh, because you know if they, if they give Bruges a point, they'll, they'll still be trailing them, uh, assuming uh, PSG gets the job done against Leipzig. Let's move on. Group C, uh, this is a 3 p.m. kickoff, also on Tuesday. Ajax, plus 125 favorites at home against Dortmund, plus 190. The draw, plus 275. The bookmakers are expecting plenty of scoring. Three and a half is the over-under. Uh, I expect plenty of scoring. Anthony, uh, do you just think this is just going to be a carnival or something? It feels like it. Yeah, it's actually the match of the day for me. Uh, it's the one that my TV will be, my main TV will be squarely on on Tuesday afternoon. This group is ripe for goals, and here we are. It's the two best offenses in the group going at it. Both have had some concerns defensively for sure. I'm more concerned about Dortmund than I am about Ajax. Look, 538 may be wrong, and it probably is, but they've got Ajax as the fifth best team in the world, according to their club rankings. My projections show Ajax as a better team than Dortmund now. I think Ajax is, is ripe for, for a run here. And I know BJ and I have talked about this a bunch. In this matchup particularly, though, I have serious concerns about Dortmund's defense. I mean, they are leaking goals left and right. It seems every game Dortmund plays in the Bundesliga, it's they, they score a goal and then concede one three minutes later and then score a goal. And, and they're very reliant on Erling Holland, who, don't get me wrong, is probably the best young striker in the world right now. But there's some concerns about is he really as elite a finisher as we, as the numbers are, are suggesting at the moment, Dortmund is running more above their expected goals than every team in the Bundesliga besides Leverkusen uh, defensively. They're conceding a little more than they should be too, but they're also conceding a ton of high quality chances, which against a team like Ajax, who has produced more expected goals than anybody in the uh, champions league thus far is going to be a major issue. Sebastian Haller has been a, a, an excellent addition for them. He's, already bagged, I think it's four or five goals in the league, uh, in the Champions League in two matches. So he's flying high. Uh, and I'm going to get behind Ajax here on the money line. I think that it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I'm not as worried about a draw. Ajax needs to win this if they want to win the group because they know that if they have to go to Dortmund in two weeks, they need to win. It's going to be a lot tougher. Uh, so they're not going to be looking to settle for any draws. So I like Ajax on the money line. Yeah, I think this game also will be a lot of fun if you like to live bet 
if if Dortmund goes ahead, I'll definitely be live betting Ajax. As you alluded to, there are just goals galore in every Dortmund match. Right now they average, and this is across all competitions, not just Bundesliga, uh, that includes Champions League and their cup competition in Germany, 3.9 total goals per match. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I mean, this is just going to be a back and forth kind of, it's going to be like a college football game in played in the Netherlands, I feel like, just two offenses gunning the ball all over the place. BJ, does that mean you're going to be on the over? Yeah, old school Big 12 game on the, on the in Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is a match, I mean, like Anthony said, you know, I think not only the match of the day, I think maybe the match of the entire group stage that I'm, like, most excited for because, you know, Ajax, obviously, they just – routed sporting and Bashitas who didn't couldn't even barely barely field uh, 11 guys on the field they outscored them seven to one out created them 6.53 expected goals to 1.35 and if you are unfamiliar with Ajax uh they just obliterate everybody in the area uh they are averaging 2.62 expected goals per match domestically and I'm only allowed a total of five expected goals in nine matches but this is by far the best offense that they've seen all season long. And, you know, Dortmund did struggle against Sporting Lisbon. They only created 0.23 expected goals for the match, but Erling Holland was out for that match. Uh, and in the Bundesliga this season, you know, they're averaging 1.84 non-penalty expected goals per match, and they've created 16 big scoring chances, which is defined as, because I'll be mentioning it a lot, is 0.35 uh, XG rating or higher, so 35% chance or greater of going in on a single shot. Um, and I think they'll just be able to create a lot of those high quality chances against Ajax. And the one thing also about Ajax is they're on a third choice goalkeeper right now. So there could be some goalkeeping er errors in this one, but like Anthony said, you know, the, the defensive, uh, woes for Dortmund are real right now. You know, they're only allowing 1.18, uh, expected goals per match, but in their three biggest matches against Frankfurt, Hoffenheim and Gladbach, they allowed a total of 5.82 expected goals. And, and they've allowed 11 big scoring chances in, in the Bundesliga this season. So for two teams that play a extremely open style of play, there's going to be so many chances at both ends. I'm so excited to watch that. It might be, you know, it might be a square play, but I love over three and a half goals at plus 125. Yeah. It's definitely one to back the over with. It's, it's, I can't imagine betting an under or, or feeling just the dread of betting the under in a match like this. It would be like, like you said, betting Oklahoma State, Bedlam, right? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and seeing the total at 81 and being like, I, I, I just gotta, I just gotta take the over. Uh, if this is the the match of the group stage, the other Group C matchup is probably at the opposite end of the spectrum. Besiktas out of Turkey are plus 200 underdogs at home against Sporting, plus 130. The draw sits at plus 240. Both of these teams have zero points. Ajax Dortmund both at six. So it's basically an elimination game. It's at 12.45 p.m. on Tuesday. I've got absolutely nothing on this one. Anthony? Yeah, me neither. One note, Lisbon, kind of a defensive luck box, a little bit running well above, uh, or I guess well below what they should have conceded uh, dating back to last season. Even when you look at their expected goals numbers, they ran pretty lucky. Uh, and the other note here is that Europa League matters for these teams. I know that they're not going to qualify out of the Champions League group, but what you're going to see is that playing for that point makes a huge difference when it comes down to these next two matches, which could decide who goes to the Europa league and who doesn't. And that makes a big difference for these clubs. So uh, probably don't think uh, it's going to be a particularly open high scoring match. Lisbon tends to be pretty conservative and, and tends to try to, you know, pack it in and try to rely on its defense to uh, prevent goals. But like, like I mentioned, they're a little bit uh, due for some negative defensive regression. So overall staying away from this game, but I think that, 
uh, it will be an interesting watch just because these teams need the result to get out of the, uh, into the Europa league. Yeah. And uh, obviously Lisbon with some hella travel having to go across the continent to uh, from Portugal to Istanbul, let's move to group D. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that group is topped right now by Sheriff Terraspol at six points, Real Madrid at three points, Inter Milan at one point, and Shakhtar uh, Donetsk at one point. Game we'll start with here is another early kickoff. It's Real Madrid minus 175 against Shakhtar plus 450, the draw plus 320. BJ. I like Shakhtar plus one at home here. I mean, this is a rematch of last season in the Champions League when Shakhtar beat Real Madrid twice. And one of those matches was in Ukraine when Shakhtar had a COVID outbreak and seven starters were out and they somehow still beat Real Madrid. This time around, I think they have another good shot at chance of pulling off an upset against them. I mean, they looked much better uh, against Inter than they did against Sheriff. The XG battle was pretty close, uh, but Shakhtar had more shot creating actions and held 66% possession. Real Madrid is a little banged up coming into this match. Danny Carnaby Hall, Ferland Mendy, Isco, and Gareth Bale will all be out, and a couple other guys are questionable. And Real Madrid's been running really hot uh, offensively. They've scored 22 goals in La Liga on 15.1 to expected goals. So there will be some offensive regression coming at some point this season. They also haven't been that dominant defensively. Uh, domestically, they've allowed the eighth most shot creating actions, 10th most touches in their own final third, and they have the 12th best pressure success rate. It's also going to be a little chilly in Kiev on Tuesday uh, in the low 40s during the match when Real Madrid is really not used to playing in that because it's a beautiful 70 degrees and sunny pretty much every day in Spain. So um, I only have Real Madrid projected at minus 122, so I do think there's some value on Shakhtar at plus one at minus 105 at home to get a result. Yeah, Shakhtar is one of two teams in this group that plays in a disputed territory in their country. Uh, Donetsk, of course, is uh, in Ukraine, but only uh, in name only, I guess. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on Shakhtar in this one. The uh, It's just, it's it's so much fun to bet against these teams going to the Ukraine or to Russia or wherever. Uh, you, you watch Kareem Benzema just struggling. You know, they, they the saying is, uh, can he do it on a rainy night in Stoke in soccer? Well, this one is, can he do it on a chilly night in Donetsk? Uh, so I'll take Shakhtar plus 450 for a small bet. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I can't decide here if I want to go with the the Shakhtar plus one or the under three goals. I'm, I'm in a bit of a debate. Uh, I just don't really know how much I can trust this Shakhtar uh, attack right now. Lasina Traore, who's probably their best attacker, is now out uh, for the year. He had a really bad knee injury in the intermatch. And they created a couple of chances, but they mostly came off set pieces. Uh, and that's where I think they can get at this Real Madrid team. Look, Real Madrid... We can talk about how good Karen Benzema is. Uh, he's he is amazing, but he's not nearly as good as as the finishing numbers early in the season would suggest. Same with Vinicius Junior, who the narrative on him for like four years was all he, you know he just can't finish, and now you know all he can do is find bottom corners of the net, which is funny how that works. But the reality is that, that it's somewhere in the middle, uh, and they've scored twenty two goals from fourteen and and change expected in the in the in La Liga. Um, they came out roaring hot and it's cooled off a little bit. They also haven't played in a few weeks. They did not play this weekend. Uh, they were supposed to, but then it got canceled because of players coming back from international break. I wonder what the situation is there. These players, a lot of the players coming from South America, right, are getting to Spain on the weekend. And then they have to go to Ukraine, uh, the, you know, for a midweek match. So it's a lot of travel, a lot of jet lag for some of these players who are, who are traveling a lot more than they usually would. 
Uh, so it's, it's probably going to end up being an uh, either Shakhtar plus one or an under for me. I just haven't quite decided, but you can follow me in the action app and figure out where I end up on this one. If, if you're listening to the show, you're, you're someone maybe who listens to the big bets on campus uh, podcast or the NFL uh, podcast we have on the action network. Think of it like if you took the university of Miami and said, all right, it's November 8th, go play a game in Laramie, Wyoming uh, and set the spread at like, you know, plus 26 for, for Wyoming. That's how this game feels to me. Uh, so, uh, I mean, how can you not bet Wyoming in that game? How can you not bet Shakhtar in this one? Let's move on to the other team in a disputed territory here. That's uh, our beloved FC Sheriff in Tiraspol, which is sort of in Moldova, sort of not in Moldova. We'll leave that to uh, the Action Network's European politics pod, which was soon to launch, of course. Uh, they're 13 to 1 underdogs against Inter Milan, who are minus 550. The draw plus 650. I mean, it's a must-win game for Inter. They're on one point. And here we are talking about Sheriff at six points. It's not a must-win game for Sheriff. Somehow, um, BJ, is. do you see anything on this match from a betting standpoint? I know you see a lot from a geopolitical intrigue standpoint, but from a betting standpoint. Yeah, I'm going to let you handle the geopolitical stuff. But they were incredibly lucky to beat Real Madrid. It was obviously a very historic upset, but Real Madrid outcreated them 3.2 expected goals to 0.35, and they somehow still won 2-1. to one. Um, You know, my projections have Inter pretty close to what the actual money line is and pretty close to the over-under as well. Uh, I, I'll be honest, like from an analytical standpoint, there's just not that much trusted data that comes out of Moldova. So I really... I, I really don't know what to do with them or how to project them sometimes. So, uh, you know, luckily the first two matches I've been able to, to stay away from them. And I think this will be uh, another situation where I'm just going to have to to stay away and just, you know, maybe root for another historic upset. I, I don't believe you that the Moldovan premier league has bad data. Anthony, uh, are you going to be betting this, this wonderful match? On the champions league preview pod, I said, I was going to look to fade this team at every possible turn. That's that's aged pretty well. Uh, they, they got what I thought was a deserved win. Watch the whole match against Shakhtar. I thought they were the better team. The interesting thing about this Sheriff team compared to a lot of these lower tier division teams that win their league is that they tend to boss their domestic leagues because they're the best team. They tend to have a lot of the ball. They tend to be used to having the ball. And then they go play a team who is not going to let them have the ball. And they are completely unable to defend whatsoever. Uh, well, let's flash forward now. Shakhtar created very little against them in 90 minutes. It was a pretty poor performance from them. Real Madrid, yes, there were 3.3 expected goals. There was a penalty mixed in there. But a lot of those chances, if you go back and look, they had a lot of block shots. They got a lot of numbers behind the ball. They were incredibly disciplined. Uh, the goalie made a few couple of pretty big saves, but nothing you know extraordinary. I wouldn't say he was necessarily standing on his head. Um, and then they did an ultimate smash and grab and, and turned their two, two legitimate chances into goals. So far, they've had one expected goal. They've scored four. They've conceded 4.2 expected goals. They've only conceded one actual goal. So this team uh, has, has really defied all logic. Uh, and, and what I think here is going to happen is that I'm going to go under three and a half goals. And the reason for that is I think Sheriff is not going to create anything in this game. I think they're in, in huge trouble uh, in terms of trying to do anything against this inter-defense, which has been pretty solid uh, there. And, and you look at enter from the offensive point of view, they're running really hot in front of goal. They've, they've started the Serie A season. They've, they've, they've lost Lukaku and they've lost Hakimi and they're, and they've lost Erickson. They're not nearly as potent offensively, but they've made up for it by finishing better, which in the short term can work, but in the long term doesn't, I think enters due for some regression here. 
I think under three and a half goals here. I think it's a sleepy game. I'll take under three and a half goals, minus 125 or better. All right. And that would wrap up uh, the Tuesday slate. So we'll, we'll flip the page, move into Wednesday. I think the headliner here is pretty clear as well. That's Manchester United, minus 135 favorites against Atalanta, plus 360. The draw, plus 275. This game is taking place at Old Trafford, the theater of dreams. It has not been a theater of dreams for this uh, Manchester United team lately. Uh, it's, it feels like Manchester United's game plan as just a, a brand and as a club has been to turn Old Trafford into like a Manchester United nostalgia theme park. It's, it's very strange. This group right now, Atalanta, is four points uh, in first place. Young boys who beat United in their Champions League opener at three, United at three, Villarreal at one. I got to admit, I was pretty surprised that United was priced minus 135 after their loss to Leicester this over the weekend and just the way things have been going for the club. Anthony, do you see anything in this game? Were you as shocked as I was at the minus sign next to United? It really didn't move. I think the market, unfortunately, has been on this Manchester United thing for a little while, that they're just not that good. Uh, they've added Cristiano Ronaldo, who is very good when in terms of the fact that he's now got four goals uh, that he scored for them, three of which have come on rebound tap-ins, and the fourth of which went through the goalie's legs from about 15 yards out. Pretty poor piece of goalkeeping. Ronaldo is offering absolutely nothing in terms of pressing the front line of the opponent. His pressure rate in the Prem, like total pressures, is the lowest in the league of regular starters per 90. So he's not offering much. They're playing a man down essentially without the ball. They have no plan to progress the ball through the midfield. Uh, it's, you know, and Carl Anko of The Athletic has been getting dragged on Twitter for this take that he's had. And, you know, he was kind of ripping Ole going to Solskjaer a few weeks ago for the fact that they're playing against teams like Aston Villa and Everton who they should be and have way more talent than yet they're getting absolutely destroyed in transition. They look completely lost on the ball and they pretty much hope that one of their really good players beats a man, gets a cross in or gets a good shot off. And, you know, they score a goal off of a Greenwood uh, amazing stunning goal against Leicester, but they concede over two and a half expected goals. Harry Maguire looked off the pace. They played a Pogba Matic uh, double pivot, which, does not work against competent teams, which Leicester is and Atalanta definitely is. This is a really fascinating stylistic matchup. On one hand, you have an Atalanta team that's going to man mark. They're going to press high. They are going to apply a lot of pressure to Manchester United, which United has done relatively well against in the past. We've seen teams like Leeds who have gotten absolutely ripped apart by Manchester United, but they're also going to force Man United to play a lot of pass out of the back and try to progress the ball with a lot of resistance. And they haven't been able to do that at all recently. So it's a really interesting matchup, but what I think here is going to be a lot of United turnovers in their own half from Atalanta's press. One, and I think when Atalanta gets broken through, United's attacking talent pretty much does the ball progression for them. They get the ball into the final third. They're going to be extremely dangerous. So I think there's going to be a lot of chances at both ends here. I like over three at minus 120. United defensively running really hot because David De Gea has been incredible. How long is that going to last? He's been pretty much a league average keeper for three years into the last seven or eight games. I don't expect it to last. So I think this game is going to have a lot of chances at both ends, a lot of goals. Uh, and I don't really show a ton on the, the money line, but I do like over three goals. It's always fun when United's struggling. The, the English media just sinks its teeth in. I think it was Jonathan Wilson uh, who coined the nostalgia theme park. And, and you just described exactly what a Manchester United theme park would look like, right? Here's Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a tap-in goal. You know, it's just, it's absurd. Uh, they're 11 to one, by the way, six favorites still uh, to win the whole competition. Don't know if they deserve that price either. 
I'll, I think I might try to bet a live over here if it's uh, pretty quiet in the first 15 minutes or so. Get a try to get in uh, maybe a two and a half or two uh, if 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 I can. Uh, BJ, what about you? Do you see anything in United Atalanta? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I really don't like this pick at all, but I do have some projected value. <laughs> a great endorsement. Um, the main reason for that is because there's just honestly a really big gap in the competition between the Premier League and Serie A, almost like a 25 point in the UEFA coefficient rankings. I'm just going to tr- trust my projections and take Manchester United minus 135, which is kind of more of a bet against Atlanta, who honestly in their first Champions League match against Villarreal did not look that great defensively and allowed Villarreal to create 2.2 expected goals. So uh, yeah, I'll go with Manchester United at the Theater of Dreams and uh, their nostalgic forward who's 36 years old now. The, the one interesting thing, uh, Joseph Ilicic made a start on Sunday for Atalanta, played really well. He is really important for ball progression. He's the kind of guy who can give this United defense a lot of trouble. We'll see what Gasparini does in terms of how he sets this team up. They went to Liverpool last year, lost 5-0. They then won the reverse fixture. I don't know what to expect. I think we're going to get some chaos in this match. Robin Gosen's also questionable or maybe not going to play for Atalanta. The other match in this one is is on thin ice too. It's like Villarreal, one point, they're plus 110, taking on young boys who are sitting relatively pretty, three points. They're plus 250 underdogs at home, the draw plus 230. I actually don't like the game. However, I might take a shot on Villarreal either to win the group at nine to one or even go a little crazier and have them win the whole tournament at 200 to one hear me out, right? This is a team that their numbers aren't too great right now, but if they do advance out of this group, this is a team that is just a bear to beat in tournaments. Unai Emery just won the Europa League. He beat Manchester United in that final in a shootout. Maybe it's a cliche or a stereotype with some of these good Spanish, well-structured defensive teams like Villarreal and Sevilla, that they're just good tournament teams, but they win tournaments. Sevilla won like 25 Europa Leagues uh, this decade. And we've seen so many heartbreaking losses from Villarreal already this season. Like I said, I don't think there's much in, in this game for me from a betting perspective. But if you are new to betting on Champions League, you want a team to attach a long shot future to, Villarreal would be my my choice, 201. Because I still think that they're not uh, a terrible shout to get out of this group. They're what? one Basically one game behind the, the team at first place, Atalanta, who you guys just said. A little bit of a paper tiger. We know Manchester United. Paper Tiger, and then the other team in there, Young Boys. Uh, it, I think it's still wide open. BJ, am I crazy? No, not at all. I mean, VRL is honestly really unlucky to only have one point right now. 4.7 expected goals compared to only 2.2 in their two Champions League matches. Like I said earlier, they should have beaten Atalanta, and they really should have beat Manchester United in their last Champions League match. So, no, I don't think it's crazy at all. It's, a, it's obviously a very well-organized structured squad that's now starting to actually create a lot of chances instead of playing very defensive. So no, I don't think you're crazy at all, Michael. I mean, I don't have a lot of belief right now in Manchester United. Uh, I definitely don't have a lot of belief in Atalanta. And when you think about this Villarreal team, their ability to hit on the counter when they uh, play Atalanta at Atalanta makes them a sneaky threat. And then Man United, we know about their history with Villarreal. Almost every game has ended uh, in in a goalless tie and we finally got some goals in the last match, but there's gonna be a lot of pressure uh, when those two teams meet at the end of the group stage uh, on, on Manchester United and not a lot of pressure on Villarreal. So there you have it. Go to your bookmaker of choice, 201 via Real. Because, I like the nine to one on the group better. Well, maybe split the stake nine to one, 201. Then you can tweet at us when it loses after they get upset by uh, young boys on Wednesday. Let's move on. Uh, group E. This one is topped by Bayern Munich. 
perhaps the best team in Europe right now. Benfica at four points, uh, Bayern sitting at six, Benfica at four, uh, Dinamo, Kiev at one. And then how about this one? Barcelona, zero points, foot of the table. We'll get to that match next. But first, let's start with a game that is going to be a lot of fun, I think, just from a game theory standpoint. Bayern minus 250 favorites against Benfica, who are seven to one. The draw plus 375. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. BJ, I am very ready to do something I think I'm going to regret. Yeah, this one's going to suck because I'm taking Benefica plus one and a half and minus 125. Bayern Munich's overvalued here. And let me kind of explain this because I don't think people see Bayern Munich. They see the result this weekend against Leverkusen and they win 5-1. Oh my gosh, Bayern Munich's the best team in the world. How could you ever bet against them? Okay, let me kind of explain this a little bit. Byron last season wildly overperformed their expected goals numbers. They scored 99 goals in the Bundesliga off of 75.23 expected goals. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have one of the most clinical finishers in the world in Robin Lewandowski, who makes up for a lot of that. So Bayern Munich's not going to regress all the way down to, you know, 75 goals, but it's going to meet somewhere in the middle. They can't just keep up the scoring rate. Now this season, they've been a little closer to uh, their expected goals have been closer to what their actual goal numbers are. Um, but I actually had to go in and make a manual adjustments to my projections because I was way off on this one. And I can still only get Bayern Munich to minus 135. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Benefica is a really, really good team. They're probably the second best team uh, in Europe outside of the major five leagues behind Ajax. Uh, they, lead, they led Portugal last season with a plus 35.3 expected goal differential. This season, plus 14.3 expected goal differential in eight matches. Portugal is the sixth most difficult league in Europe. So this is absolutely a legit team. They have some experience on their back line. Nicholas Atamendi and Jan Vertonghen, two longtime Premier League defenders, will be able, will be able to hopefully hold Robert Lewandowski in check and some of the other attacking players. Benefica from a squad value standpoint, also 279 million, according to transfer market. That is the second highest behind Ajax outside of the main five leagues. They also just drilled by Barcelona three, nothing in their last champions league match. So this is not a team to be taken lightly. Who's especially at home. And also, you know, based on the ranking points, Germany, the gap between Germany and Portugal is actually closer than the gap between Germany and England. So I don't think that Bayern Munich should even be close to minus 250 on the road. I mean, other projections sites like 538 has only a 52% info goal. It only has them at 58%. So I'm going to hop on the pain train and take Benefica plus one and a half at minus 125. And, you know, eventually maybe I'll wave the white flag on Bayern, but not this week, I guess. No, not this week. Definitely not this week, my friend. I like Benfica seven to one on the money line. You can't keep me away from that one. This team is a uh, very solid defensively. Maybe, you know, there's a hope in hell that they can just keep this Bayern attack. Maybe they catch him on a sleepy day in Portugal or something. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, look, I look to play against Bayern uh, more often than not. They tend to be a very overrated public favorite. And here we are. They thrashed Barcelona. They thrashed Dinamo Kiev. And they're an overvalued favorite here. And like BJ mentioned, the, the thing for me is every projection system I look at from BJ's numbers to what I have to what uh, 538 and InfoGoal both have all have Bayern under 62% to win this game. Uh, the implied odds of a minus 250 favorite, a whole lot higher than uh, 62%, closer to 70, 75. So, you know, will I feel good about this game when Bayern is up a goal in the 88th minute? Still no. 
If they're up a goal in the in the stoppage time, I still won't feel good about my plus one and a half just because of how potent this Bayern team can be. Lewandowski hasn't always been a great finisher, which is part of the regression that has come for Bayern a little bit offensively this year. Uh, they're just creating a, a ton of chances. He's always been a, like an average finisher until the last two years when he became this like dynamo finisher out of nowhere. And it surprisingly has not lasted. Uh but the thing for me with Benfica, BJ already mentioned how stout they are defensively. For me, it's their counterattacking ability, which they showed against Barcelona that I didn't really expect them to have. I had Barcelona in that game. I lost. Uh, I did not expect them to show as much potency and, and, and competency in, in counterattacking uh, that Barcelona team. And I think they can find some success counterattacking through this Bayern midfield. They haven't looked particularly vulnerable, but I still think with the same, almost the same personnel as last year, they're going to have some defensive issues down the road. Maybe that comes on Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully it does. And Benfica can get on the board because I think we're going to need a goal from Benfica to get this plus one and a half in. But I agree. I'm on plus one and a half at minus 130 or better. The 12.45 p.m. kickoff in this group is uh, Barcelona, minus 400. They take on Dinamo Kiev, 10 to 1. The draw, uh, plus 550. We always talk about betting on teams. Who are you betting on? Do you want to bet on this team? I'm looking at this one as I want to bet against Barcelona. They make me sick. I can't get them right betting on them this season because I keep treating them as if they are Barcelona uh, of past years. They are not. They are not that good. I think they're pretty mediocre, actually. So if you offered me 10 to 1 against a team that is a paper tiger, a mediocre uh, team that has just not shown anything, I'm going to take the 10 to 1. So give me uh, uh, Dinamo Kiev plus a thousand, ten to one. However you want to look at it, they're gonna lose. But it's like I just can't pass up this number against Barcelona right now. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually gonna look at the total for this. I'm gonna go under three goals at plus one hundred five. Now Barcelona is obviously not the offensive powerhouse than when they had Lionel Messi. I mean, they're only averaging one point five nine non penalty expected goals per match this season. When last year they averaged two point zero five non penalty goals per match. But defensively, defensively, they've been really good. I mean, they only allow 0.89 non-penalty expected goals per match. They have the fewest touches in their own final third. They have the best pressure success rate, and they've allowed the third fewest shot-creating actions. Defensively, in their first two matches, yeah, they were not great against Bayern Munich and Benfica, but Dinamo Kiev is not an offensive powerhouse. They only created 0.91 expected goals in their first two Champions League matches. They only average 1.81 expected goals per match in the Ukrainian Premier League, which is 11th best or 11th most difficult based on uh, UEFA coefficients. It's going to be difficult for Barcelona to create a lot of high quality chances. And I only have 2.26 goals uh, projected for this match. So I think there's some value on under three goals at plus 105. This Barcelona team also might have quit on its manager, Ronald Koeman, who's basically uh, been shown the door, but Barcelona just doesn't have the money to replace him. They just know he's going to leave. So I don't know how this team gets up for it. Like I said, with all the things that are going wrong at the Camp Nou, if you're going to offer me 10 to 1 to go against them, I'll take it. Anthony, come join me. I'm buying low on Barcelona. Uh, not in this match, but overall. Uh, and I'm going down with the ship. Uh, I, you know, a couple of years ago, like I was the, the top guy saying Barcelona cliff is coming. Like it's something that it's been in the numbers for years. Like the minute Leo Messi leaves this club, they're going to fall off a cliff. But the cliff has not come that fast. Like there's signs that this team can be a reasonable, you know, top five team in Spain who's pretty good in the Champions League and nowhere near the quality to win it or come close to even it probably advancing out of the round of 16, but at plus 175, I think it's worth a flyer on Barcelona to win this group. When you look at the matchups here, Bayern is going to play Barca on the last day of the group. 
Bayern will have likely already clinched the group. They will have likely beaten Benfica twice en route to clinching said group, which basically means that Barcelona just needs to do the double against Kiev, get a result against Benfica, and then win on the final day or get a result against Bayern to uh, get that job done. They're going to be at home against Benfica in the second match. They'll be pretty significant favorites in that one. The floor has not quite fallen out yet. It can, but it hasn't yet. And so I'm going to try to catch the falling, the falling knife, as they say. Buy low on Barcelona here to advance out of the group. Now, if they lose, they're done. That that will be the fastest bet a future has ever died. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Group G, Salzburg, Jesse Marsh's old team. They're top of the group right now uh, at four points. Sevilla at two points. Wolfsburg at two. Lille at one point. Uh, We said coming into this, uh, this Champions League season, and we were not alone in this thinking, obviously, that this would be the most wide open group. Uh, it's certainly playing out that way. We'll start with the 12.45 p.m. kickoff between Salzburg, their plus 125 favorites against Wolfsburg, who are plus 200, the draw plus 250. I don't really see much in this one. I think this one might be pretty quick to go around. BJ. No, I just want to rant about Salzburg, honestly, because they're really pissing <laughs> me off right now. Five penalties. They've had five penalties in two matches. So yeah, this is a no play for me. And if Salzburg gets another penalty, <laughs> I'm going to throw my computer through a window. All right, we'll kick it over to the 3 p.m. kickoff between Sevilla. They're plus 110. Lille, uh, plus 260. The draw, plus 225. Uh, I like the draw. I think this is going to be a defensive showdown. The over-under is pretty low. I like betting Sevilla draws. They're a fun team to watch. Tie other teams at 1-1. Anthony, what about you? You might be the first person I've ever heard that said Sevilla is fun to watch. If you have the draw, uh, they're a lot of fun yes, to watch. When it is 1-1 late and Sevilla are just swinging in crosses and nobody's there uh, and they have no shot. That is, Look, a, they're gonna... that is a drug to me. That exact style of soccer with a draw ticket. Come on. It's, well, yeah. gonna, so you'll Lille, get a double dose with Lille on this match yeah. too. Lille stinks. They were not good when they won League on last year. Um, they have not been great in League on this year. They lost their goalkeeper. Their goalkeeper performance has been significantly worse this year. I have to get Sevilla here. They haven't uh, looked great in the Champions League, but they've looked much better in Spain. Spain, they have the number one expected goal difference in the league. They're almost a goal better than their opponents in expected goals per 90 right now. I think that we're dealing with a Sevilla team that is a little bit undervalued here because of the low total, but I am not buying into the wheel defense whatsoever. So give me Sevilla on the money line. Uh, Anything plus money is fine. One thing, Lil's defense actually is due for a lot of uh, positive regression. You know, they obviously they've allowed 15 goals this season. They have the lowest non-penalty expected goals allowed in league on 7.24. So the defense is still there. It's just, they're just getting really unlucky. And offensively, they've actually been better. You know, they're averaging like almost 1.7 expected goals when last season they won uh, league on with like averaging almost like 1.3. So it, for some reason, like losing your manager and your top goalkeeper, they've somehow their metrics have gotten better, but they're somehow sitting in 11th place uh, as opposed to last year. So maybe it's just a little bit of justice about how much they overperformed last year. But yeah, I mean this, if you want to bet the draw, these two teams are just like, you know, the perfect uh, mixture for the draw cocktail. Five, three, Lille win incoming after all that talk about the defenses and the draw. Let's move on. Group H. This one right now is topped by Juventus with six points. Chelsea at three. Zenit St. Petersburg three. The Swedes, Malmo, uh, at the foot of the table with zero. Uh, we'll start with the Chelsea Malmo kickoff. This is 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Chelsea, prohibitive favorites, minus 1,100. Malmo, they're 30 to one. You can get teams to win the Stanley Cup or the NBA championship at the same odds uh and they would be considered long shot or you can bet malmo maybe they win one 90 minute game of soccer at 30 to one 
Uh, the draw is 10 to one before you guys go. I'm going to say that I'm just going to have to bet uh, this Malmo team. Be- and it's <laughs> basically just because look, Chelsea's been not that good the past month and a half, let's say um, in the premier league, they've been getting very lucky with uh, their goaltender, Edward Mendy, who's spectacular. He stole them uh, three points against Brentford last season. I've, I think we all want to bet against this Chelsea team because I think that the market perception is probably too high on them. They are struggling to create and to defend uh, scoring chances at the moment. Unfortunately, the first two opportunities to fade Chelsea are Malmo at 30 to one. And then we get North city in the premier league next <laughs> this coming weekend. Uh, so I'm just going to bite the bullet and donate uh, some money to a sports book on Malmo at 30 to one BJ. That sounds like a good parlay to me, Malmo and Norwich. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, Malmo was bad. I took them against Zenit, and it was not fun. They, they just can't do anything offensively, and they are just wide open when he's <laughs> on a counterattack. Like it, it is, it is bad. Um, even if you saw them, they played Juventus. I mean, there were so many times where Juventus had like two or three. There was like almost like a three on one, like four different times uh, going for an attack. So this one's, uh, just a stay away for me. We'll, we'll just watch Chelsea continue to overperform and we'll find another spot to, uh, uh, beat them. But you know, for now, I mean, I, I might just throw a dollar on uh, a Malmo Norwich parlay. You're patient, right. you're a pa- much more patient guy than I am, but look, here's, here's some defensive numbers for, for Chelsea, right? 2.16 expected goals against, against Brentford, 1.5 against Southampton, a decent performance against Juventus under an expected goal uh, 0.84 and then 1.73 against city. I think Malmo might be able to score a goal here, Anthony. Yes, that's where we're going. Plus 225 to score. Uh, I will be betting it again this weekend, this Chelsea defense, historically good, historically good. And I, we, I mean, BJ and I played a lot of unders last year on Chelsea and, and it was, it was a profitable situation, but this year the regression and, and look, People will tell me it's because their goalie is really good or it's because, uh, you know, they always have numbers behind the ball. They don't concede high quality chances. Look, all that is bunk. The history has shown that a team will run very, very close in the long term to their expected goals against numbers. Now, four, quality of finishing can have marginal effects, you know, five, 10 percent in the long term where a team will finish above their numbers or below their numbers. If you have a bunch of really high quality finishers, but a defense does not do it. They don't. There's, there's like two teams that you can make an argument for one is Atletico Madrid and they happen to have the best goalie in the world and a system that prioritizes getting guys behind the ball and blocking a lot of shots. Other than that, there's not a lot of, te- a lot of manager. Lucien Favre is like a guy who's notoriously done that, but I don't believe Thomas Tuchel has like found the magic sauce to like concede a bunch of chances and not actually concede a goal. And look, I know Malmo stinks going forward. They're the team I mentioned earlier with Sheriff. Like there are teams in this league who come into the Champions League expecting like they're used to having the ball. And then when they don't have the ball, they stink. That's Malmo. I mean, they're really bad. But at plus 225 to get a goal, all you need is one fluke, one chance, one counter, one set piece. At plus 225 for a team that is so due to concede that I will probably break something if they don't concede soon from the chances (laughs) they've been allowing. Give me plus 225 on Malmo to, to score a goal. I want to get behind this Chelsea attack because they're very good. And I think they're due to start putting some numbers up and I think they're going to, but I really need to fade this Chelsea defense with, with every bone in my body. It sounds like you guys are talking yourselves into a piece of 30 to one on Malmo. Um, yeah, yeah, coming. Of course. All right, let's move on. Juventus plus plus one ten favorites against Zenit St. Petersburg. The draw is plus two ten. Zenit plus two ninety three PM. This will be the last game we talk about because it's the last game of match week three. I've got nothing on this one. I might look at the draw, but probably 
stay away. BJ, what about you? I want to make a case for Zenit in this match. I mean, first off, they looked really good against Malmo, uh, like we already uh, spoke uh, spoke about. 4 nothing went at home. I'll create them 2.81 expected goals to 0.45. But secondly, they've been dominating the Russian Premier League. They obviously they lost their last two matches to Sochi and Arsenal Tua, but expected goals is why we can't just take results at face value. Yeah, they lost those two matches, but they held created both of those teams 5.2 expected goals to 1.73 and in the russian premier league this season they're averaging 2.11 expected goals per match and only allowing 1.08 malcolm the former bordeaux and barcelona attacking midfielder has a 0.72 expected goal plus expected assist per 90 rate in the russian premier league this season it will be a problem for juventus's back line i mean listen juventus's offensive numbers have not been as good since cristiano ronaldo left they averaged two non-penalty expected goals per match uh, last season and this season it's down to 1.75 and in series they're eighth in shot creating actions, 10th in touch touches inside the opponent's penalty area and 10th in box entries. Now, as far as their defense is concerned, they've been okay. Not great. Uh, 8.8 non-penalty expected goals allowed in eight matches, uh, but they've allowed the third most touches uh, in their own final third. And they just lost the expected goals battle to Roma despite winning one, nothing on Sunday. And this is another weather situation. It's also going to be 38 degrees and raining in St. Petersburg on Wednesday night when it's in the mid sixties in Turin uh, this week. So I have this match projected closer to a pick given, you know, Juventus' struggles uh, offensively. So uh, yeah, give me Zenit uh, plus half a goal at minus 125. That sounds like a a lovely, lovely bet. All right, uh, let's move on to the final section of the program. This is we, uh, I'll give you each 30 seconds to talk about your best bet for match week three of the Champions League. Anthony, you go first. Leipzig plus one and a half, minus 130, like it to minus 135. The thing with, with, with PSG in this game is that they're incredibly overrated. They have looked very vulnerable in defensive transition. Their expected goals numbers in France are not what they should be given the talent on the team. They have serious issues defending without the ball because of the lack of defensive work that Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi do. And Leipzig, despite some pretty poor defensive numbers in the Bundesliga, the underlying numbers that are underlying those expected goals numbers are a little bit better than that. Uh, I expect them to turn the corner here, keep this match competitive. It's a huge over-adjustment to last year when these two teams played. The numbers should not be that much different. I like Leipzig to keep this game close within a goal and a half. BJ? Yeah, I'm going to go with the squarest play on the board. Ajax Dortmund over three and a half. I mean, Ajax is an absolute offensive juggernaut. 2.26 expected goals per match in the area Divise. Dortmund didn't look great against Sporting Lisbon. Only created 0.23 expected goals, but Erling Holland was out. Erling Holland's going to be back for this match. Dortmund averaging 1.84 non-penalty expected goals per match in the Bundesliga. Already created 16 big scoring chances. But Dortmund's defense does have some issues right now. You know, in their three biggest matches against Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, and Gladbach, they allowed a total of 5.82 expected goals. And in total for the season, they've allowed 11 big scoring chances. So this is going to be a very open game. There's going to be just chances galore at both ends of the pitch. I have 3.33 goals projected for this one. So I love three over three and a half goals at plus 125. Something people often forget about the squarest bet on the board is it's also the most fun. That one will be a lot of fun. I'm going to go with my Barcelona fade on Dinamo Kiev at 10 to 1 is my favorite bet because, look, it's the first episode of Wonder Goal. Let's be a little bit bold with our predictions. And with that, that'll do it for the show. My name is Michael Leboff for BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. We really appreciate you guys listening. And please, please remember uh, to download, subscribe, review, and rate Wonder Goal. And we'll see you guys back on Thursday for our Premier League preview episode.